0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and today, this embalmed human body will be playing the role of Devendra. Joining me today is Jeff Kanata. Every single week, I say, David, (laughs) talk to me. Let me in. And every time, it turns out like a horror movie. (laughs) Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing the new 824 horror film, talk to me which is out in theaters right now it's doing pretty well for a low budget horror film i'm really excited to chat about this movie with you guys uh and you guys there's only one guy jeff Kanata here on the podcast <laughs> davindra is out this week he's taking a much deserved much needed vacation he will well, materialize for the review though that's right don't worry that's right yes you will turn your head left to right and then you'll suddenly see Devindra. yes as part of our talk to me review that review, by the way, was accessible early to patrons over at patreon.com slash film podcast. Uh, we try to div- give you reviews early whenever we can. Um, but in addition to that, you can, of course, always sign up for ad free episodes and exclusive afterdocs at patreon.com slash film podcast. Today, we got some what we've been watching for you today. We got some uh, weekly plugs before we get to our review of Talk to Me. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slash filmcast at gmail.com. I'm sorry at thefilmcast.com, email us at gmail.com, and find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter and threads at thefilmcastpod. Now, uh, before we get to our what we've been watching today, Jeff, uh, let's uh, do a couple of uh, emails and posts that we're going to respond to, specifically uh, patreon.com slash filmpodcast, always a lively place for people to react to each episode of the show. And I wanted to read a couple of posts that people had written over at patreon.com slash film podcast in response to our last episode uh, in which we reviewed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Mutant Mayhem, as well as Meg to the Trench. Maddox wrote in about our conversation about William Friedkin. Maddox wrote, just popping in to share some love for William Friedkin, since this may be an appreciative group. Friedkin is one of the best movie talkers ever he is he's one uh, of the few filmmakers who really seems to enjoy speaking with the film community far past the age where he had any need to as recently as a few months ago you can find him talking to a crowd for two plus hours something none of his contemporaries have ever done way into his later period he was still interested in young people and film students one experience of which i was there for i went for a double bill of the exorcist and the brand new devil and father Morth. Friedkin insisted on standing, didn't use a microphone, but insisted the lights come on so he could see us. He was curious who had seen the film before and if anyone was involved with filmmaking. Multiple times, the host tried to wrap it up, but Friedkin waves him off. In the end, I think for closer to three hours, just chatting about whatever the people wanted, end quote. Anyway, I love that story. And there's been many stories like it of people talking about Friedkin showing up at uh, sort of Q&A sessions and just talking for hours with people uh and he clearly had a love not only for movies but like the communities that that create movie makers Do you know what i mean it's awesome um, and that's just a rare thing to see you know because most of the time i think um with few exceptions the filmmakers like they do the q a because they have to and it's like a thing you have to do to promote a thing you know or yeah. because it's like kind of a fun thing to do but he like really loved it he cherished uh those Q and A's and cool. uh, that, that's wonderful. You know, especially he, he probably loved those things probably about 80 times more than I do because they generally, because you know, the words that send a chill down my spine at those things, this is more of a comment and not a question. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's start a podcast folks. Okay. If, they, if you have a <laughs> comment and not a question, start a podcast. <laughs> Okay.
1: I uh, yes, the uh, the Q&A session where it's just uh notice me. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> which is what podcasts are for. We all notice know that. Me, Jeff. It's yeah,
1: it's uh it, it's always excruciating at, at Comic-Con with the the Q&A sessions cuz it's just like, "Hey, I just I I stood in line to get in here. I stood in line at the microphone and I I have one opportunity." to talk to Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) And all I'm going to say is, what do you think of me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: So I want to read another comment at patreon.com slash film podcast from Wenzi, who writes in, quote, Dave, in regard to the Chinese film industry. So we talked about this with Meg, Meg to the trench. Um, they haven't decreased the quota for the number of foreign films. The reason there's less investment into Hollywood films is due to the market and state of the economy. China's film market has heavily skewed towards local content since about 2014. Other than some huge Hollywood blockbusters, most of the top 10 uh, box office has been Chinese made in recent years. Uh, Things not getting released, such as Marvel films, were due to reasons other than politics. Uh, The other reason is there's less co-productions is simply... uh, The other reason there's fewer co-productions is simply economic, uh, they haven't been that successful and the state of the economy has been that there's less money to invest end quote so uh those are just some comments about uh the in response to the comments i made about meg2 the trench last week uh it is a fact that meg2 is one of the few areas of chinese american cooperation that are happening right now <laughs> you know in the world yeah uh and but yeah it's it's true that um for a time it was like there was tons of movies that would get released in China from America. Uh, And now for a whole complex wide array of reasons, that's just not happening as much anymore. There's fewer movies from America being released in China. There's fewer co-financing productions uh, between China and the U S Meg two is, feels like a relic of a different era, but we can celebrate that between China and the U S there's one thing uh, everyone loves. And that's Jason Jason Statham Statham. (laughs) facing off against gigantic sharks you know like that is a thing that we can all agree on okay uh so thanks for the messages at patreon.com slash film podcast of course you can always write into us there or at slash filmcast at gmail.com we always appreciate all the commentary let's get to what we have been watching jeff Carada. and this week i want to bring back a segment that has been long dormant oh on this podcast uh it's called dave's b-movie corner <laughs> They're out video on demand.
1: <laughs> it just it'll stick in your brain all day long. The catchy jingle <laughs> really flows and isn't uh, awkward in any way.
0: <laughs> so, I had a chance to watch several B movies this week. You know, Jeff, I I know there are people who are miffed, one might even say angered. One mm. might even say furious. That I, David Chen, a person with a, let's say, small to medium-sized platform on the internet, chooses to spend my time watching mediocre to terrible B-movies instead of literally some of the greatest works that have ever been made that are available with a touch of a button. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a good mix of those things this week. I have one of the greatest movies ever made on my list today. But let's start with a B-movie that I watched. Um... So, (laughs) Dave has
1: precious few hours on this planet, and this is how he chooses to spend them.
0: (laughs) I had heard a lot of chatter this week about a movie called Red, White, and Royal Blue on Mm. my video. Now, uh, I started watching Red, White, and Royal Blue with a family friend using Amazon's watch party feature, which, by the way, have you tried this recently? I have not. It's actually pretty cool. So basically, the way it works is uh, now I would only recommend this for a certain type of movie. Okay. I'm not saying i do not not saying do this for every movie. Cause people are going to start writing in very angry, but the way it works is you connect. Everyone connects to the watch party. You synchronize that. It basically synchronizes how you watch the movie. And there's a chat room with like a chat box that appears next to the movie on your screen. Right. So you're watching it on your TV screen and you can type in commentary into the chat box and it appears Physically on the screen next to the movie
1: Right This is how Oppenheimer was meant to be viewed
0: Exactly, 100% On your iPhone with a chat box next to it In your tiny yes. iPhone screen uh, And so a family friend wanted to watch Red, White, and Royal Blue A, ro- a, a romantic comedy About uh, a romance Between the Prince of England And uh, the son of the President of the United States in America
1: Oh, uh, and adorable
0: we started watching it uh, and she said this is so bad i cannot continue
1: <laughs> <And> so, so <laughs> the, about 20- in the little chat bot stop
0: please stop make it stop <laughs> make it stop how and do so we about- turn
1: off this co-watching feature
0: so yeah. i was like okay I, I i'm trying to redeem this evening and so i'm trying to find another movie on <laughs> prime video that we can use the watch together feature on. So you right? did
1: not finish red white and royal blue?
0: Well, hold on. So okay. I'll tell you the rest of the story later <laughs> in a bit. But uh I I'm trying to like save this evening. So I'm like, okay, hey, let's watch uh it, it, watch party only works with movies available on Prime Video, right? So sure. um, so we decided to switch to Beast, the Idris Elba film. Have you right. seen Beast? I've not
1: seen Beast. I know of it. Beast is uh Idris Elba versus the titular beast, right?
0: <laughs> that is correct. The titular beast. Uh, and I have to say, I think this movie was underrated in its time. Mm. Um, now, here's the thing. So, yeah, it's, it's Idris Elba with his two fairly annoying daughters and Charlotte Copley facing mm. off against the titular beast. That's kind of the premise of it. he's He goes uh, to Africa um, for reasons that become clear in the film, facing off against the beast, the movie is a tight 90 minutes. I love that. And what's awesome about the movie is most of the movie takes place in a series of long continuous shots. Oh, so, fun. Uh, it's like long, unbroken continuous shots. And that's a really interesting filmmaking choice. Here are, some, yeah. here are some things that that filmmaking choice does to the movie. First of all, that means most of the movie takes place in real time. right? Like With, with some exceptions, like it does cut to, to advance time and so on. But most of the movie takes place in real time. So you're really like hanging out with these characters for a lot of the movie. You're just hanging out, spending time with them, uh, getting to know them, getting to know the rhythms of their conversation. And that's nice. You don't usually get that in in other movies. Or if you do, it feels a lot more forced. Uh, It's also just like technically really impressive what they're able to accomplish given that, that structure. Um, Yeah. When the beast. And I'll, I'll say, I think the CG is actually really strong in my opinion. I think it's like some of the uh, creatures in the movie look photorealistic to me. Some of them are a little bit not as fully realistic, but like overall, I'd say it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good try at this. The budget was it's like mid-budget movie, right? Thirty-six million dollars. Not very many movies like this get made these days. Uh, and Idris Elba does a pretty good. You you, you get to see Idris Elba fight beast. Fight the titular beast, you know. So if you, if it's what you're looking for, I actually like this better than Hijack, the Apple TV Plus movie that also stars Idris, Idris Elba, where he series. fights off against yeah. hijackers. Yeah, uh, I a think it's right? like, Hijack is a series. Hijack yeah. is a series. It's seven hours long. This is ninety minutes. Um, in both movies, Idris Elba has a particular set of skills. In this movie, I think the skills make more sense, and I, w- <laughs> I won't even reveal what they are. I'll just say, you know, I think they make more sense in this movie. Uh And so I thought this was great. You know, everything I, you've
1: said about it makes me want to watch it. I love long takes. Yeah. I love Idris Elba. I love Shepard No, I will, I will say this. I will say I love this. Annoying so, Girl. <laughs> no, yeah, I,
0: I will say this. You know, the movie received a uh, 68% Rotten Tomatoes, kind of middling. A lot of the reviews are bad. Here's yeah. what is bad about the movie, is it is extremely predictable. Like, uh, you kind of know where it's going right from the beginning. You can predict what's going to happen, kind of. You know, it's, gotcha. it's there's nothing revolutionary from a plot perspective or a theme perspective. But it's, hey, it's a really well-executed thriller. I think, and uh if you—that's what you're looking for. If you're just like, hey, here's a well-executed thriller. I don't need to think too hard about. I think you'll have a good time with Beast, which is streaming right now on so Prime Video.
1: It's a real pivot from the rom-com about royalty.
0: So after we finished watching Beast, I'm like, you know what? I think I need to go back and finish this other movie. <laughs> so I went back by and yourself. Watched- well, uh, so I, I was I was actually able to, like, convince some people to join me in the watch party, and that was nice. <laughs> just uh, randos? we just posted a well, I, message? Well, I convinced my the original friend, because we, I don't know, the fact that we'd already watched a good movie was kind of like, mm. it took the pressure off. Yeah. You know, it was like, hey, we, ca- it, it, you know, if this ends up being terrible, it doesn't matter, because we already had a good movie. Tonight, How much you know
1: more did you have left
0: of one hour and 40 minutes.
1: <laughs> so it lasted like 20 <laughs> minutes or 10 minutes?
0: What, what was it? That Amazing. movie is so freaking long, Jeff. It's so freaking yeah. long. Okay. Well, I will talk about that uh, momentarily, but maybe if we get maybe. to it, if we, if we have enough time to get to it. But uh, anyway, those are. Uh, that's one of the things I should say that I have been watching this week. Let's take a break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more of what we've been watching right after this.
2: Now let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, Zbiotics. These days, I definitely have to think about what I'm going to do the next day, if I'm going to have a few drinks at night. And uh, yeah, you know, I want to get up and take care of the kids and uh, get right to work. I don't want to have to deal with the after effects of a night of partying. That's where Zbiotics comes in. Zbiotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Z-Biotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. Just remember to drink Z-Biotics before drinking alcohol drink responsibly, and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. I've used z after a few family get-togethers, and I have to say, it makes a huge difference the next day. I honestly didn't feel much the next day after having a couple drinks. Labor Day weekend is right around the corner, so make sure you stock up before the long weekend. Your friends and family will thank you. Go to zbioticscom Filmcast, that's Z-B-I-O-T-I-C-S dot Filmcast, to get 15% off your first order when you use Filmcast at checkout. You can also sign up for a subscription using our code so you can stay prepared no matter the time or the occasion. Zebiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zebioticscom filmcast and use code filmcast at checkout to get 15% off. Thank you, Zebiotics, for sponsoring this episode.
0: All right, Jeff, tell us something you've been watching.
1: Well, it was with great excitement that I saw that uh, one of my favorite shows of the last few years, Only Murders in the Building, is back for season three. Uh, It just sort of like crept up on me. I knew it it was coming, I knew it was coming. Then all of a sudden it was like, August 8th, what? Oh, amazing. Um, So my wife and I both adore the first two seasons of that murder mystery show. Uh, And this season, Alongside the already luminous cast that they've got, uh, they've added Meryl Streep and Paul Rudd, which is like, come on. It's just it's just all star after all star. Now, um, are
0: they playing themselves in the show?
1: They are not. Oh, Paul okay. Rudd is playing a, a cheesy Hollywood actor who has starred in some uh, very mainstream superhero type things, mm. but he's not Paul Rudd.
0: That must be a real real stretch for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's playing, he's kind of a, kind of a douchey, kind of a, you know, uh, smarmy guy. Uh, So very much not Paul Rudd's reputation. Um, And Meryl Streep, David, it's like somebody got my letters. Meryl Streep is playing a wannabe actress who has failed to achieve anything her entire life. Like Meryl Streep, objectively one of the greatest actors in the history of cinema, playing a failed actor. It's just Chef's Kiss. Just it's just, just beautiful casting. And I don't want to spoil anything uh, for the show. It is, it, you know, this is a murder mystery. Um, but you have um there is a scene. I'm just talking vaguely. I don't I won't spoil anything, but there is a scene in the first two episodes, they they debuted the first two episodes. That's all I've seen of the season so far. Uh, more, yeah, probably more will be out by the time you hear this, uh, dear listener. But in the first two episodes, there is a scene where Martin Short and Meryl Streep sit together at a piano and sing and play the piano together. And like, just the fact that this show made that happen is worth its existence alone. Like the fact that you have these two legends sitting next to each other just sort of delightfully singing and playing the piano next to it. It's just like, come on. Beautiful. But also there is is a moment, and again, I'll I'll just talk vaguely, but there's a moment where you have Meryl Streep deliver a monologue at an audition and it's just like, oh, she's a goddess. (laughs) She is the best actor on the planet. <laughs> it's, and, and the whole point of the scene is to show, like, oh, this woman has talent. And to see Meryl Streep just stand in one spot and deliver a monologue like I've done and every actor has done at an audition a million times. And you're like, oh, she's just in another stratosphere of talent and skill. It is uh, just extraordinary to see. But the show is just, it's a delight. It's so fun. Clearly, all the actors are having a blast. It's you know, it's setting up. There's a wonderful swerve in the first two episodes that I won't go into, but it's just the show is so smart. It understands what it's doing, and it's about podcasters. So you know,
0: but despite that, it's still worth watching.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Only murders Uh, in the building. One of my very favorite shows. Half an hour, easy breezy. I'm laughing. I'm interested. I'm curious about the the murder mystery. The previous two seasons have had really satisfying, I think, mystery solves and mm-hmm. and revelations over the course of the season. I expect the same in the third season, and it's just it's just wonderful to see this level of talent brought to bear on what is kind of uh, goofy, fun. What's the what's the uh, line that your wife loves um peppy and cheap peppy and, peppy cheap. and cheap not cheap i am assuming i'm assuming the opposite yeah. of cheap here but certainly peppy and yeah. uh, delightful i peppy love peppy and cheap
0: which is a line from the classic movie soap dish for those who don't uh, yeah don't know kevin klein
1: after. uh sally field wow right?
0: yeah your soap dish knowledge impresses jeff kanata oh yeah great movie great movie, great movie. um yeah. only murders in the building
1: in yep. the theater with my mom
0: wow i'm old it was when Robert Downey Jr. was still like in his, you know, obviously in his pre-Iron Man phase, um, yeah, but kind of playing, uh, playing the Robert Downey Jr. esque character, and yeah. uh, he's great. He's great. So, um, anyway, let's uh talk about something else. So, Only Murders in the Building streaming right now on Hulu. I want to give bring up another B movie I've been watching, just.
1: <laughs> of course, cool. you do.
0: Look, sometimes. You watch a trailer, you're like, wow, that's intriguing. <laughs> I got to see this movie. <laughs> uh, and also the story behind it's also interesting. So are you familiar with the Ben Affleck action thriller Hypnotic?
1: Yes, I've actually been tempted. This is uh, Robert Rodriguez, right?
0: That is correct.
1: Yeah, that I've been tempted. You know, Robert Rodriguez, love. Ben Affleck, admire. Think is think you know, has <laughs> turns of really great, yeah. awesome stuff. Like, yeah. dig that guy.
0: Put those two together i'm i've been very curious to check this movie out so hypnotic was a movie that had a very troubled not post-production but like a distribution process basically their original distributor uh imploded as far as i can tell so they, it was originally supposed to get like a theatrical release you know lots of pna print and advertising spending like lots of you know and uh that did not work out because the the distributor uh went away. And so a new distributor had to take over. Uh, and they released it in thousands of theaters uh, in May of 2023. So just a few months ago. But with pretty much no advertising support at all. So the movie tanked hard at the box office this movie cost 65 million dollars it's one of those mid-budget movies that i'm always saying they don't make it anymore and uh because they don't do very well anymore this movie made 8.7 million dollars at the box office so it's basically a, a massive disaster uh at the box office and it's it's a shame now is the movie any good jeff i'm gonna talk about the premise of the movie but it's largely encompassed in the title of the movie. <laughs> so um uh the movie hypnotic you know and if you see the trailer it's basically like these guys who like have the ability to like hypnotize you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they go up to you they're like actually I'm not carrying the money from the bank. You know and then like you're like oh he's not carrying the money from the bank and then you know so you can easily rob a bank that way. You see? Yeah, yeah. Um and so it's about Uh, people who have the ability to do that, aka hypnotics. Uh, And the movie trailer makes it seem like it's going to be like an action thriller kind of Inception style. You know, there's there's actually a lot of Inception DNA in this movie. And there's some of that in the movie. I, I would say the movie is not great. I wouldn't really recommend it, but... And I'm just going to say this, I think it's mostly, it's one of those movies that's very plot-driven, and after you see the movie, you're like, oh, I don't really need to see that movie. Like, there's a lot of, I'll just say there's a lot of reveals, okay? Yeah, Hey, did you know that this is a thing that's, yeah, here, hey, actually, it was this the whole time, and... That happens. I mean, like, so, yeah,
1: you could describe the sting that way, and the sting mm-hmm. is one of my favorite movies of all time.
0: There you go. I don't I think I would this rewatch
1: is, the sting in a heartbeat.
0: I don't think this quite lives up to the sting. It's probably one of those movies where afterwards you're like, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense at all. After you know, like it's one of those movies where it's like once the reveal, it's like wait, but then why would they do that? You know, remember? Um, don't worry, darling. Uh, when yes. you know there's a there's a big reveal in that movie. I'm not gonna yes. say what it is, yeah. but it's like when you start this thinking is the about it, clumsy
1: way to do the thing it, that you want to do. It yeah. makes like
0: no sense. Like, why yeah. did, you know? Okay, if I think even thirty seconds about this, like that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, kind of a similar deal. Kind of a similar uh. deal with hypnotic. Basically, I'm saying
1: is the movie saying don't think about this, right? Right. Then hypnotic is
0: the don't worry, darling of Ben Affleck sci-fi action thriller. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so if you but the, here's the thing some people like don't worry darling you know so if you not, not many <laughs> but but if you like don't worry darling if you like what i liked, that movie like like the first
1: two thirds of don't worry darling
0: there you go there you go uh you know and if you want to see ben affleck it, it, and the thing is as you said jeff it's ben affleck and robert rodriguez together and so it's kind of like okay i there's enough interesting stuff here to check it out but um didn't love it. There's parts of it that are actively bad, but is there? if, if you're looking for a decent B-movie that you don't need to think too much about, I actually think it's not a terrible choice. I'm not like, that was awful, never watch it. Um, am it's, I, the, it's the hidden strike of Ben Affleck's sci-fi <laughs> action. Am I,
1: am I misremembering? Wasn't Don't Worry Darling in your top ten of the year? No. Okay. am no. misremembering. Was it in Devendra's?
0: I don't think so, Jeff. I don't know okay. where you're getting that from.
1: I don't know. I have a weird memory. You're projecting.
0: That I, you're projecting on what you want doing. I'm hypnoticking you.
1: Hypnoticking <laughs> you. You, you <laughs> loved it.
0: That's the thing. Is like the idea is kind of cool. The idea of like hypnotics is kind of cool, and uh, and so there's some some interesting world building going on in hypnotic, but but um, yeah, it's it's really just gonna. I can't you know I can't say because it's just really gonna depend on how much you like where the plot goes, and I don't want right. to spoil anything. So suffice to say uh i would say if this pops up on streaming hey you could do a lot worse i spent 10 human doll hairs on it
1: (laughs) you in a movie theater
0: i spent ten dollars to uh buy this movie on video on demand
1: oh i see and i
0: I would not recommend that i would not recommend you spend ten dollars on it but if you if it pops up hey you could spend your your time a lot worse than hypnotic available on video on demand right now
1: you could be watching instead red white and royal blue (laughs)
0: Jeff Ganata, what is one thing you've been watching? I'm actually super curious about this next thing on your list.
1: I thought for sure you you would have already watched this. I I
0: honestly didn't even know. Is this out already?
1: Yes. Well, yes, yes. I saw it. Uh, So so it is. But I guess I could have gotten it early. Uh, I did not get it early. I've only watched one episode. This is a new docu-series on Max, the one to watch for HBO. Yes. It's called Telemarketers. I would say watch this at your earliest convenience. It is do not miss it. This is David Chen Catnip. This is you are going to be so in. I am so in. I had an experience in uh the you know the first few years that I was moved down to Los Angeles. I worked uh at in not a, as a telemarketer but in a phone room receiving calls. So this wasn't calling out. But I was working in a phone room receiving calls, but very similar aesthetic. You know, you got your little cubicles, you have your little headsets with your little microphones and ear. ear you know, you got your headsets, you're on, you're receiving calls, you're talking to strangers all day. They're often rude and horrible to you. It is, I have that sense memory in my body of being akin to a telemarketer. So, I was very curious to see this docu series about a very specific time period this at least the first episode only takes place uh in and around sort of between two thousand and six and two thousand and ten. and it is documenting a uh a massive corporation the the by the way, the phone room that I worked in was called c. t. g. Center Theatre Group. It was a mm-hmm. live theater. Uh, in los angeles that sold tickets i worked basically in the box office but in the phone room ctg this is about cdg uh a uh, a notorious uh new jersey based call center telemarketing group that would basically swindle people out of money this was so a, is me-
0: this a. is this a coincidence of their name similarly do you think or yeah
1: but i thought it was pretty wild to me that yeah, yeah you know, yeah. cdg they-
0: they have, like a type. C- they have a type of name they like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Civic Development Group, I think is what they call themselves, which mm-hmm. is just a nonsense phrase for covering up. Mm-hmm. What, basically, the idea here is, and I got one of these calls literally two weeks ago, so it's still happening. And I'm sure you have. I'm sure everybody listening has experienced this. They would call and say, hey, I'm calling on behalf of the... Retired Police Officers Association, or the Fraternal Brotherhood of Police Officers for New Jersey, or for wherever you happen to be in, and we're raising money for fallen police officers, or to uh, buy bulletproof vests for police officers, or for the families. That there over a hundred police officers have fallen in the line of duty just this year. We're, we're raising money, and it was a complete scam. The this outside party would do that, and they would pocket 90% of the money and give 10% to the actual charity
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, not, and just completely swindle people out of the money. But it gets crazier than that because the facility that they used, they packed full of, the, the movie describes it as people who just couldn't get any other kind of job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would go to halfway houses, uh-huh. they'd find people who had criminal records and were having a hard time getting employment in any other way, and they'd let them come to this place and do whatever they want. Dr- openly do drugs, uh, drink, mm-hmm. party, do whatever they want in the context, as long as they made these calls and made money. And the this docuseries is created by and using footage from a couple of the people that were inside it and just thought, this is so insane and so so in illegal mm-hmm. we have to document it so they got camcorders like it's old enough that they were like using camcorders um and they they would just shoot video all day long of their wacky things that would happen and then at a certain point they decided no we're actually going to do an exposé into how the malfeasance of this company mm-hmm. and it's fascinating it is unbelievable it is galling. You just cannot believe, the, you know, these, these, these two sets of brothers that came together to create this, this company that did this, they had like, you know, $300 million homes and all these things mm-hmm. on the backs of just, you know, ripping off, you know, asking people, you know, poor people for $10 on behalf of the uh, cops. And then they went on to other things. Like then they moved to fire department. Then they were asking for on behalf of cancer uh, survivors and all this, it's just insane. But the characters in this docu series are fascinating. They're affable. They're watchable. They're, you just, it's just a peek into an entire world that you can't believe existed. And I'm curious to see where it goes after episode one. The first episode's an hour. I felt like it. If that was all there was, I would recommend it. But there's more episodes coming. Do not know where this is going. It kind of ends with a cliffhanger that like something even bigger is going to be revealed of this story. So I am hooked on Telemarketers, which is on Max, the one to watch for HBO. I
0: am... Really excited for this. It was definitely on my radar. So, uh, I thought for
1: sure you were going to have already watched it. I
0: didn't know. uh, Honestly, I'm having difficulty keeping track of when everything's coming out. That is why why I haven't watched it yet. But yes, so say we are. It's going to be three episodes, and the first one has already aired. And I guess they'll all air on Sunday nights. So, that is the current plan. Yeah. Uh,
1: Just fascinating stuff. And I keep it's wild. You know, I said this when we were talking about the Beanie Baby movie, too. Uh, and other thing, or oh, I, I guess it was uh, oh no, more. it was the uh, glitch, the um yeah uh,
0: uh, trivia Rise HQ. And Fall HQ trivia, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: it's wild to me to watch a documentary and go, where was i i was I was <laughs> doing professional things at mm-hmm. the same time, like I mm-hmm. was at the same time this footage is being shot, I'm somewhere in the world doing a thing completely unaware this is happening, but like a professional person doing things in the world. It's just wild that <laughs> it's hard to wrap my head around that now. Mm-hmm. Cause I was, mm-hmm. feel like so much of my life, I watch a documentary where I wasn't alive yet or whatever it is, you know, but this is not, not just that I was alive, but I was functional. I was out in public eye. Like I was doing a show on the internet mm-hmm. while this was happening. It's
0: just, why, constant. why is that? Like, why did, why is that a source of fascination for you?
1: Because the context of this is like, look how old all this, look how long ago all this was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like it was a snap of the fingers ago for me. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're definitely, definitely starting to experience, you know, that a lot. How how old yeah. we are. Uh, yeah. Something we we talk about this a lot in the After Dark, you know. Uh, but we we definitely have. I, I think um, for me, Jeff, the big thing was when people started describing people as being born in the late 1900s you know that's when (laughs) that's when i was like oh yeah okay yeah that's uh yeah we're old now um and uh and, and i'll say another thing is one of my biggest areas of sympathy that i've that i've grown to have is um when we were young we would make fun of old people for saying Back in my day, we blah blah blah, and it's like now that I'm getting older, I'm like, I want to tell you about what it used to be like because that's fascinating. Because you don't understand, (laughs) right? Yeah, you You don't don't understand. You don't know how hard it used to be, and you should, (laughs) so that you can appreciate life more. And it's like, know how easy you have it. (laughs) I have become that which I used to ridicule. Yeah, and uh, that's part of growing older, you know. So yeah. Um, you have you have any of those moments where, like, what what is it that oh, you God. want? What is it that Constantly. you want the kids to understand the most? Do you know what my son
1: have... said to me the other day? What did he say to you, Jeff? my cherished, beloved son? <laughs> your spawn from my, my your firstborn, yes, my heir. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he said to me? He said, he said, Daddy, in the eighties, did they have scissors? <laughs>
0: Scissors, David. I mean it's a legit question. It's a legit question, Jeff. It's a legit, it's a legit
1: question, you know? There's an episode of you,
0: you you can't know what a child doesn't know like what areas there's I'm, been technological No, because I've told you. him about
1: a bunch of things that they didn't have when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, they didn't have that magical uh you know the magical box that you just ask it to play a song and it played a song. Right, you know? Right. They didn't we, there's a lot of things we didn't have, so he's like, Daddy, scissors, did you have
2: those? <laughs> Yeah, I had scissors. I had scissors, largely unchanged
1: say? are the scissors, well, <laughs> largely unchanged. son.
0: <It's> not... um, <laughs> there's some st- technologies that just have not advanced: scissors, toilet paper. Yeah, uh, you know, there's there's a few like just regular paper, pens. <laughs> you know, generally, generally stationary hasn't advanced too
1: much. <laughs> Anything you can buy at Staples or Office Max uh, has not <laughs> gone far. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> the uh, there's an episode of, of Bluey, uh, I think it's in the, the third season that um where it's called Fairy Tale. It's one of my favorite episodes, but it's basically the dad saying he, bandit, he's he's like, Let me tell you a fairy tale. The crazy thing about this fairy tale is it it's about me. And he tells them, them about this magical time called the 80s, where you could ride a bicycle without a helmet. And, you know, and he, so in in that context, he's always asking me, like, and there's a, line, there's a line in that episode where Bandit says, it was the 80s. It was, a, it was a wild time. And so my son is always saying, Daddy, were the 80s a wild time? And I'm always like, yeah, the 80s were a wild time, son. They
0: were a wild time. They were, in fact, a wild time. So, <laughs> All right, that's one other thing Jeff Canata has been watching. Let's take a break for another sponsor. We'll be back with more of uh, what we've been watching right after this.
1: This episode of the Filmcast is brought to you I better help you know sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear I know for me moving here to Denver wasn't an easy decision for myself my family and I wrestled with it I had a lot of moments of self-doubt long nights sleepless nights asking myself the same things over and over and over not knowing what the right answer was and whether you are dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else. Therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. I know that I've certainly benefited From therapy in my own life sometimes it's easy to tell yourself that therapy is for other people or just for folks that have experienced major trauma but therapy can be useful for anybody just to learn more about yourself and help you make those tough decisions learn to set boundaries in your life and be the best version of yourself if you're thinking of starting therapy give BetterHelp a try it's entirely online it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Filmcast today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com, slash Filmcast
0: all right jeff i want to tell you about something i've been watching look jeff i have a deep and horrifying secret another one yeah another one (laughs) (laughs) um and that is that until this week i never saw singing in the rain to completion
1: interesting i mean i think it's an easy movie to miss there are some of the movies that are so ubiquitous in our culture that like actually sitting down to see them right. takes effort. You it's know I've like, seen
0: I've seen the musical numbers, I've seen clips, yeah. I've read about it, uh, but I never saw the whole thing all the way through until this week. And Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I've slept the whole night through. Yeah. Uh and I had a chance to watch it this week. What'd you think? And I thought it was awesome it is an excellent movie this is not dave's b movies this is actually like a really good movie uh i understand why this movie is so legendary i understand why it's inspired so many people um and and also i really wish i had watched it before i would seen babylon which yeah. is like <laughs> yeah. heavily inspired by the movie because it has a similar kind of plot yeah uh which is and directly place-
1: references it over and over again
0: that's right that's yeah right. um Singing and Rain, obviously the 1952 uh, American musical romantic comedy. I watched it on, on the uh, Apple TV streaming, right? So uh, I had bought it years ago, and then I watched it on Apple TV streaming. And I think there's like a 4K version of it on there. And I have to say, it looks incredible. Like if you had told me this was filmed in the 80s or whatever, I would have said like, yes, a wild that's, time. Um, well, I would have, I would believe you, but the, the way they've restored this movie is, it actually looks almost too good. Like there's, there's detail, you know, like, uh, when HD was first invented, you would see people's like wrinkles behind their makeup yeah, and it's like, yeah. Oh, the, this makeup was not designed to withstand this level of scrutiny. Yeah. Uh, that's basically what it feels like watching, Signature. I'm like, this is too HD. Like I'm seeing... Details on these people's faces that I don't think I like, even the original audiences back at the time would have seen. Um, but anyway, this movie takes place during the transition in Hollywood between uh silent films and the talkies, as they were called, and it's about you know people trying to navigate that uh, that transition. But the plot is uh, not that great. I would say it's pretty threadbare. It's mostly just an excuse for Gene Kelly to sing and dance.
1: It'd be amazing.
0: And yeah. he is one of the most singular talents to ever have existed in Hollywood history. The physicality that he brings to this role is amazing. Uh, and obviously the the plot has a lot of resonance with, you know, uh, not only... It has a lot of resonance, honestly, with what's going on today, uh, because just as they were trying to navigate this big techno- technological transition back then, and to decide like who owns your own image, who owns your own voice, and so on, uh, we are trying to navigate a similar thing right now in Hollywood. Uh, there's SAG, AFTRA, and the writers are on strike, and AI, a- another technological revolution you know, is at hand. It's a big part of what there is anxiety about. So I actually think it, it continues to be very topical, but... I thought the movie looked amazing. I was dazzled by the song and dance numbers. And I was in awe of the sheer quality of the filmmaking when it came to those numbers. Yeah. Uh there's some just breathtaking sequences that I'm just like they weren't fucking I, I, around back then. I was just like this I'm is incredible like this is mind-blowing how good this looks, how incredible yeah. the staging and choreography is. And the thing that really annoyed me jeff is how bad a lot of these musicals look today (laughs) like i'm thinking of cats or (laughs) chicago or you know like chicago a really i think it won best picture if i'm not mistaken like chicago a movie that everyone widely regards as like or that was widely regarded as a very strong movie musical but all these dance numbers in Chicago are like edited to hell. Like you can't yeah. tell where anyone is in relationship to each other. Singing in the Rain takes place in like the musical numbers take place in uh, long, unbroken, continuous, wide shots with dynamic camera movement. Yeah,
1: they just had to do it. Who, they had to. Actually who do I do have it.
0: to bet? Who do I have to beg to make <laughs> this happen in today's movies, Jeff? Cannot you know? Yeah. Like the, it looks so good. And I'm just like, why did we stop doing it that way? You know, I think, uh, um,
1: I think La La Land actually, I was going to
0: say La La Land, obviously Damien Chazelle very heavily inspired by this movie. And I think he brings that spirit with, with him to La La Land. And so that's an exception, I think. But if you look at other modern movie musicals, they don't trust the beauty of human dance and human song and dance. They don't trust it. They need to inject all these like filmmaking flourishes, to try to make it more interesting for audiences but if you look at Singing in the Rain, it was like uh, you know, maybe audiences maybe back in my day, Jeff, they just did it differently, right? Yeah. But maybe audiences of today don't like that stuff anymore. But when I watch Singin' in the Rain, I am dazzled by how good it looks and how amazing these song and dance numbers are, and uh, and you know how it still has a plot that, despite being fairly threadbare, and you know uh i i think uh still resonates today has ha, has themes that resonate today so i loved it jeff you've obviously seen it before it sounds like so like yeah but back
1: in college i haven't seen it in many years
0: um, what was your impression of it back then
1: oh it's i mean I'm, I'm not a huge musical fan but you it's undeniable the level of skill and and artistry that's on display in that movie it's like it was never my one of my favorite movies um it didn't hit me in the way that seeing for example, you know, Citizen Kane did. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's still just, you know, you can't argue with, it's like watching a great Jackie Chan fight scene or, yeah. or something, or like a John Wick Where fight a- scene.
0: Afterwards, your reaction is, wow, I can't believe like a human being did that. Yeah, they uh, did that.
1: They, you know, all those people got together and did that. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: So strongly recommend you can buy it on video on demand. It looks great. There's a 4K disc too, I think out there. Uh, So check it out. It's, it's great. It's singing on the rain, singing in the rain. uh, And it's something that I caught up with this week. You
1: know, one of the movies that I I saw very, very late like that, uh, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I I just referenced Citizen Kane, but the better reference there actually is It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. I watched It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, right around the time that uh, the, the telemarketer movie was being recorded uh, like in in the you know early 2000s Jeff's gonna
0: fr- just gonna jeff is going to frame all life events in relationship to when the telemarketer movie happened yeah when
1: documentaries on. that i'm now watching are, are my shot. son
0: was born approximately 3 decades after yeah. the telemarketer movie
1: happened <laughs> one last dance episode of <laughs> anyway um, it's a wonderful life i i i didn't see as a kid it you know it was it was I had framed it in my head as being the the show, the thing that's always on at Christmas time, like a Christmas movie, just this classic. Yeah. And I knew the like. Well, I'll just I'll last all the sun for you, you know. I, I knew all the like. Wow, uh,
0: good impression, Jeff.
1: Oh, thanks. Nice. Um, I knew all the things, and you know, when a, the bell rings, of an angel gets its wings, like all that. I knew all that stuff because it's just in the culture. I didn't realize until I actually sat down and watched it what a phenomenal movie it is just an incredible movie and such an indictment of capitalism. And it's just an incredible, just tight and, and good. And has, it, it really doesn't pull its punches. It's really a good movie. Um, and uh, anyway, so that's kind of like my, my version of, of you seen seeing in the rain late.
0: I think, you know what? Uh, essay really changed my perspective on it's a wonderful life. I saw that movie f- fairly young. I, I really like the movie. But there's there is an article that came out in 2008 in the New York Times called "Wonderful." Sorry, George, it's a pitiful, dreadful life.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you don't. You. That's what you realize when you sit down and watch it. It's like it's got this reputation of being like this feel-good Christmas movie.
0: It ain't. It ain't. There was. It is
1: very end. It is, but not most of it.
0: There was um, this guy's talking about how, like, in the article, he's talking about how, like. Uh, a teacher of his taught "It's a Wonderful Life," and and there is a shot in the movie that I can't get out of my head now. Okay, uh, it's so in "It's a Wonderful Life," he he gets to see life as it would be if he never lived, right? Yeah. Like what what would Bedford Falls be like if he'd never lived? And uh, he said uh, the, the the writer of this article saying his fr- colleague and now friend, Mister Elman, um told me to keep an eye out for Ernie's vacant stare when George gets into the cab. <laughs> he said he cried the first time he saw it, end quote. And I was just like, I never struck, there's a shot, basically there's a shot where like Jimmy Stewart's character gets in a cab in the alternate universe, right? And like his friend Ernie is driving a cab, if I'm not mistaken. And there's this like look on his face of just complete emptiness uh, that he found so profound. And, uh, anyway, I, I read this article and I, I, you know, that's a, that's a moment that you just breeze past. Right. Uh, and maybe, maybe rightfully so maybe nothing is actually, maybe the actor was just not, not doing a good job, Who knows? but like, <laughs> but it's a moment where like I, somebody like the idea that somebody watched that scene and then they cried yeah. because of this guy's vacant stare. A, it, it kind of highlights how much someone can bring to the work of a secondary side character in a movie right like if they're really operating at their a-game maybe they've created a whole story for themselves in their minds like i leave an extremely depressing monotonous life and like i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna evoke that with this like 10 seconds of screen time i have um but it's also just a a testament to the fact that um yeah you can read a lot of subtlety into into movies in general and what's going on with this movie in particular uh and now I can't, I can't get that out of, like, whenever mm. I watch It's a Wonderful Life, that's always a shot I'm always thinking yeah. about, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, that's cool. All right, cool. anyway. Do you have any See, other, not to belabor this, but do you have any other, um, movies like that that are just massive cultural footprints, but you've never seen them?
0: Tons, tons. Yeah. I think, I think there's tons, you know, people often ask, uh, a question that comes up on our Patreon is like, what are, are lists of, lists of shame, mm. um, Trust me, we might be getting back to them soon if uh, yeah. the strike continues. For the one next big three one for
1: month, me is uh, Casablanca. I've never seen it. Oh yeah, never seen. I
0: it. I also have never seen Casablanca. Oh, we may have so, to do
1: that when the strike. So we're gonna have to do Casablanca Famine probably. hits. I
0: yeah. haven't seen the Sting. That's another. Oh, I you haven't seen the Sting, David?
1: If oh, dude, <laughs> it's yeah. truly. I, I I have no idea what my actual top ten of all time is, but I w- I would have a hard time not putting it in my top 10 of all time. Like it's a hard, that's a hard thing to even come to is what are your top 10 movies of all time. But the sting is,
0: I would love if you created that list, by the way, I I have a
1: hard thing to do. I have that list. Um, Do you really have a, like a full on top 10 of all time?
0: Yeah. Just because this question comes up so much. Yeah. Yeah. I have a top 10 of all time. And then I have, you know, I I, I have a whole list of like honorable mentions and they can cycle in and out of the top, you know, like it's, it doesn't need to be 10, but it can be like, you know, I have like, I have 10 and then I have like another 20. Additionally, you know, that
1: my, I. One of my uh, favorite YouTube channels, podcast network, uh, is, is this board gaming uh, mm-hmm. empire called the Dice Tower. And mm-hmm. one of their famous things that they do is they do top 100s of all time mm-hmm. uh, board yeah. games. And the host, the guy Tom Vassell, used to do it for many, many years. And then they got to the point where like literally everybody that's associated with the channel does their own. And the methodology they use is really interesting. Tom Vassell will just make cards of all the games he's played. And then he'll start just doing one-to-one comparisons and be like, Hmm. is this better than this? Yes. This better than this? Yes. And you just keep doing that until it like sorts itself. And then all of a sudden you end up with a top 10 of all time or a top 100 of all time. And you have a top 10 because there's one that just keeps winning. It just keeps winning in all the head-to-head comparisons and you get it to the state where you have a list. I thought that was a pretty cool way to do it. Because I think the idea of sitting down and being like, what's my ten favorite movies of all time? would be so daunting.
0: It's like that website's Flick Chart. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah. So it, it came out yeah. like that. Well, a we used game. to do we used to do a game called Versus on the Totally Rad yeah, show where yeah, we, right. we just do the one to one comparison thing. But like to sit down and sort of systematically do it for as many movies as you can possibly do. I think I mean it would take a long time, but I think it would be amazing.
0: Yeah. So to answer your question, tons of movies on my list of shame. Uh, I tried not to reveal them because every single one would prompt a reaction like what you just said for the sting. <laughs> <laughs> I know um, I, it's so but,
1: annoying to hear that, but, but the yeah, sting is a very special place j- in my heart.
0: Just know that I am deeply embarrassed and full sure. of shame.
1: Yes, about yes, my list of shame. Yes, it's
0: not. Yes, I'm not proud of it. I'm not like oh, I'm never gonna watch The Godfather. You know, like yeah, um, you. C-
1: you can't be more disappointed in me than I am in myself.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I Every get you. day I go to bed, I'm like, and that's still on my list of shame, and this is still on my list of shame, <laughs> and, and yet, this is still
1: on my list. Of he shame. makes time to see hypnotic, and <laughs> red, white, and royal blue.
0: See, I already lampshaded this, Jeff. I already, I already yeah. brought that up early, so you can't make fun of me. I'm like Eminem at the end of Eight Mile. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Singing in the rain. That's one thing I've been watching. Jeff, cut out. Hit us up with something you've been watching. Well, I checked
1: out the new season of Hard Knocks. On uh, Max, the one to watch for hBO uh it, this, if you aren't aware, is a docu series uh, that goes inside training camp for an NFL team, and they've been doing this for a number of seasons now, and it's always a big deal. which team are they going to pick? Well, mm-hmm. this year is pretty juicy because they picked the New York Jets mm-hmm. and if you're not following sports ball, uh the New York Jets very famously uh signed the biggest free agent in the entire league uh aaron Rodgers, who is going to be a hall of fame quarterback uh formerly with the green bay packers left the green bay packers where was he going to end up where was he going to end up well he joined his old coach nathaniel hackett at uh in the uh, at the new york jets so it makes this season particularly uh interesting for me Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Aaron Rodgers. I think the guy has said some really dumb, (laughs) boneheaded things, particularly Mm -hmm. in the last few years around COVID and getting uh, vaccines and stuff like that. He, he, He frustrates me. The obsession with him frustrates me. The nonstop speculation and the way he sort of played the media of being coy frustrated me as a sports fan. And yet... I find all of the stuff with him in the show to be completely awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I texted my friend. I was like, the new season of Hard Knocks is, is so great. And he wrote back, is it? Because I'm so sick of Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like, I get that. But, like, you also get to hang out with Aaron Rodgers. And they mic him up. And it's you get to see all this behind-the-scenes stuff. I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. Right at the beginning, the very one of the very first shots of the entire season is – him walking out of the facility and heading toward the open practice field, where fans can go, you could buy a ticket to watch the practice, and you can sit in the stands. but he's walking from the facility, and it's like, I don't know, 30 yards from the facility to to you know where the actual field will be. And there's a camera on him, and he walks down immediately and, and he goes, "Oh, um are you you got me, Mike, or do I need to do something?" And he's like, "Oh, you got me. Okay, cool. All right, I'll give you some good shit this year." and, or today, not this year, This he goes, I'll give you, don't worry, I'll give you good shit today. And he walks out, and as he's walking, it's so cinematic. It's this transition from this very casual, intimate, like, hey, you got got me mic'd up? Cool, are we all, all good? Okay, I'm gonna give you good shit. To people seeing him for the first time arrive with the Jets jersey on, and the crowd like going bonkers as he starts walking to, you know, the, the people who are there like start chanting his name and he's 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 just being super casual and walking, the camera following him, the crowd getting crazy, his teammates coming up to him and him going like, hey, you guys never seen anything quite like this, huh? Like he's just super aware of the the zoo that follows him all the time. It's just an amazing thing. And you get all these really cool, moments and I came away from it feeling like dude the dude is affable he's a he seems like a nice guy like it it's and there's there's so many cool things just in the first episode uh, about the team dynamics about how excited all these young players are to have a hall of famer join their team like it completely transforms the interaction of the team the 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 self perception of the players of like their chances this year uh they talk about you know the backup quarterback that was formerly the Starting quarterback, this young kid, this young draft pick they had a few years ago, how he's sort of taken a backseat role to Aaron Rodgers. It's just interesting. And there's this great moment, you know, Liev Schreiber does the voiceover for Hard Knocks and has done for, it's, it, you know, a long time. And he's never visited the practice, but Aaron Rodgers was like super excited to be on. He's like, they asked him what he thought of being on Hard Knocks and he kind of wasn't very interested in doing it. But he said, well, at least I, you know, maybe I get to meet Liev Shriver because I love his voice. And so in the first episode, they have Leah Shriver, They bring him in and it's just the coolest thing. It's, it, I don't know. I love the show. I'm an NFL fan, even though I realize how problematic it is on a number of levels. Um, but I, it, it's a really cool how the sausage is made behind the curtains look at professional sports at the highest level. And in particular, this level of ha- you know, there's very it's very rare to have a Hall of Fame quarterback at the top of his game or near the top. I mean, just maybe starting the decline slightly, but just still at a very very high level. Join a new team and seeing that dynamic play out is it's pretty juicy watching. So I recommend Hard Knocks if you have any interest in that at all.
0: Uh, and that's on Max. The one to watch for HBO. You yes. know, Jeff Canada. I also watched a football documentary this weekend as well. Oh. I saw uh, Untold Johnny Football, which is about Johnny, Johnny Manziel.
1: Johnny Manziel. Yeah. You know, I've I've met him and hung out with him.
0: Oh, nice. Because well, he worked for.
1: They don't show it in the documentary, unfortunately. But he worked for Fan Controlled <laughs> Football. It's like oh, they nice. just stopped the they stopped the documentary before the next chapter of his life, which was working with me, David. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, uh, according to the documentary, he's hung out with literally everyone. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Fair enough. I don't know that. Uh, I'm sure that, he that remembers that me. I'm sure he uh, uh, remembers. The Johnny Manzel doc did uh, a really great job of describing Johnny Menzel's ascension. Like I, I had, I basically did not know who Johnny Manzel was uh, before I watched the documentary. Uh, and the documentary does a pretty good job of documenting his ascension. Uh, his rise and like the biggest kind of moments of his career. Uh, not as good of a job documenting what happened afterwards, uh, right. which d- didn't go as well. And it, it devotes point. like <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes yeah. to like all the terrible things that happened to him. And I think that stuff was really, really underserved mm. in the documentary. So uh, all that said, if you want a a documentary, I, I generally like the untold movies. Like I've watched several of them. I think they're all very entertaining. Like they're all, Uh, the way they use archival sports footage really gives you an appreciation of the beauty of the games that they're talking about um you know whenever you're watching a documentary about any any of the people it's like wow they're always showing like their best moments on the court or in the field and it's always like amazing i'm like oh i understand why this person's a big deal you know uh and you understand why johnny Manziel, aka johnny football is a big deal but uh, not as comprehensive as it could have been, unfortunately. So uh pretty entertaining and definitely a good primer if you don't know who Johnny Menzel was. Uh, but I suspect most people do already. So, anyway, that's untold uh Johnny Football, which is about Johnny Menzel. But Jeff, I do want to say a few quick words about Red, White, and Royal Blue. I, I can't. wouldn't let
1: you stop if you didn't say it. I need to know, <laughs> I need to know the full nitty gritty why you went back to it and spent uh, nearly two hours of your life seeing how it all wrapped up. Like, did they, did those two crazy kids get together? Can you possibly be the son of the president and the daughter of the, so- oh, what is it? I don't know. The yeah, princess. The prince,
0: prince, of England. Prince, prince of England. It's, okay. it's a gay can, love story. Can you possibly be, can it make it work? with All that, all
1: the baggage that those two things bring. <laughs>
0: There is an article at Vulture uh, with Rachel Handler and Jackson McHenry called The Brain-Breaking Dissonance of Red, White, and Royal Blue. And I love Rachel Handler. I think she's an amazing writer. And honestly, I watched the movie just so I could read that article. (laughs) I also also, uh, thought Miles McNutt over at Episodic Medium did an amazing job, uh, a thorough job writing this up. Uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue on Prime Video. It's based off of a very popular novel. And I would summarize the problems with this movie in two ways. Number one, it feels like every single character in this movie is in a different film. (laughs) Uma Thurman plays the president of the United States in this movie. So you get to see Uma Thurman acting in a thing again. That's nice. But at what cost, Jeff? (laughs) At what cost? Uh, Do you she think that has... if
1: uh, if they you know if they're trying to ratify a new law uh, and she vetoes it, they call it they call it Kill
0: Bill? It's a little <laughs> little bit strange, a little bit strange. Yeah. <laughs> That's good though. It's good. They should have called this movie Pulp Fiction. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. They should have said this movie had a Gattaca. No, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Okay. So um so Uma Thurman is uh is the president of the United States, and she also has an extremely thick and possibly terrible Texas accent throughout most of this movie. Oh. Which by the way, her son does not at all. Uh so okay, whatever. That happens. Um that happens. Uh the uh, the son Alex uh, of the president of the United States. He's in this like quirky romantic comedy, basically. Mm, yeah. And Prince Henry, his love interest, is kind of in this serious psychological drama. <laughs> That's kind of so uh, that that part of it like really feels like it makes no sense, and all these tones kind of clash and don't gel in a good way. But the other big issue, Jeff, is it's based off of a book. The book is very well regarded and it has a lot going on when it comes to uh, these characters coming out journey, right? And, and like the journey they took to to come out and recognize their own sexuality. All of which is pretty much completely missing from the show, you know, oh. or uh, uh, the movie. Like the, the movie removes any nuance whatsoever and and shoves this sort of sprawling interesting nuanced story into this 2 hour film uh in a way that feels like it does not honor the source material and uh so so i have been led to understand after reading extensively about it so those are the big issues of the movie it is i would say a pretty subpar romantic comedy that's what i would describe it as but there's some 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 good representation uh going on and also uma thurman in a movie again what, but at what cost?
1: What, what Was there one thing that made you bail on it initially?
0: I think the dialogue is really mm. terrible. Yeah. Uh, what, one of the big issues of the movie is that the son of the president is supposed to be like 21 years old, but he's played by someone who is 31 years old who looks like he's 35 years old. Mm. And so it it just is like, you ever see a movie where it's like somebody is supposed to be very young and yes. inexperienced and doesn't yeah. know what they're doing and cocky and brash, but they are way too old to be you know to have that? Yeah, yeah. It's called the film cast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Fair. laughs> um. So yeah, that, that it was kind of, the, the dialogue is really really rough. You know, it's very on the nose. It's not clever. It reads like somebody tried to copy somebody else who tried to copy Aaron Sorkin, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so Red, White, and Royal Blue. Not a fan, although uh, I will say this. As with Hypnotic, as with Beast, not as bad as everyone says it is. <laughs> like, okay. People are like, this movie is horrible. I'm like, it's, it's an inoffensive kind of bad. Well, actually, not inoffensive. It's a mildly offensive kind of bad gay romantic comedy, you know. That's that's what I would describe it as. But like people people are like really up in arms about this one and I think it's just it's it's moderately bad and that's about it. You know, it's not like I wish I had a more interesting wow, this was a horrible story to tell you here on the podcast, but I don't. So, anyway, you
1: watched the whole thing.
0: I watched the whole thing. I had I watched 20 minutes of Red White and Royal Blue switch to idris elba's beast and then watch the rest of red white and royal blue and by the way that is how i'd recommend you watch the
1: movies <laughs> <laughs> it's called the machete cut yes
0: all right uh well that is what we have been watching this week let's take another break for a sponsor we'll be right back with more uh on the film cast right after this all right let's do a couple weekly plugs Weekly Plugs, a part of the show where we tell you something else we've been working on. I want to give a plug to my free newsletter, Decoding Everything, at decodingeverything.com. Last week, we passed 100 days of the writer's strike, uh, which is officially now longer. It officially makes this strike longer than the last writer's strike was, uh, which is unfortunate. It also looks like there's no end in sight. It does not... Uh, there is some progress being made, there's some meetings happening, but it doesn't look like they're really close to a deal of any kind, so it looks like this is going to be going on for quite a bit longer, Yeah. Uh, and I decided to take stock and look at what's happened in the last hundred days. You can read all about that at decodingeverything.com. Jeff Canada, what's your weekly plug?
1: I do a video game podcast, it's called DLC, uh, alongside Christian Spicer, who may be uh, known to folks who listen to Dave's other stuff because he's teamed up with Dave uh, before, been on the podcast here before, a uh, good friend of mine, and we talk May about video games. May very well ga- be
0: on the podcast in the near future. But we, Yeah, we
1: hope. Um, regardless of that, he and I have been doing uh, the, uh, this video game show uh, for almost 10 years. will be 10 years in just a few short months. And uh, episode 508 is the one that came out this week. Uh, we have a guest every week. The two of us uh, bring on a new guest every single week. Had five hundred eight guests. Well, that's not true. Maybe five hundred six. but Very close to perfect score there. Anyway, this week's guest was Mike Futter, who is a, a really insightful uh, industry analyst. Who talks about he does a video uh, game uh, industry podcast called The Virtual Economist or Virtual Economy, um, talking about the the real you know chunky businessy stuff. And he goes on, came on and gave us a really interesting perspective about that. It's a fun time to be talking about video games because there's so many huge games coming out. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is taking the world by storm. Uh, we talked a lot about that the previous episode. Um, and I hope people check it out. If you like uh, me at all, uh, or even if you don't, if you like video games, check out DLC. You can find it at dlcpod.com.
0: Of course, I always want to throw out a plug for our Patreon page at patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can find ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. We never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes them financial hardship. You can always support us for free. very easy to do that. Share about our posts on threads or on Instagram at the Filmcast Pod. Write a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Very easy to support this show if you are listening right now to what I'm saying, these words that are coming out of my mouth. We hope you check us out and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It does help people to find us. All right, all that said, let's get to our review with Devendra Hardwar of Talk To Me. Have you seen the group chat? You're doing it again
1: tonight? Huh? No. Please. It's my mom's remembrance day. I just want to forget about it. Huh?
2: Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it.
1: I'll do it. I'll do it.
2: Go for more than ninety seconds. Am I might clear. What happens after ninety seconds?
0: Don't, Don't want to stay. Welcome to the film cast review of Talk to Me. I'm going to read the plot summary of this movie from IMDb. Quote: When a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new thrill, unleashing terrifying supernatural forces end quote. This is one of the highest rated films of the year. I think it has Mm -hmm. around like a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, They've already announced a sequel uh, directed by the same folks. It has 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, uh, The Philippou brothers uh, are making the sequel as well. And uh, it is doing well at the box office. So it's earned uh, that sequel for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, At that, at the same time as all that's true, you know, Jeff Kanata, I think between the three of us, you're the one on this podcast that probably is the least drawn to horror films, right? Uh, That's correct. Yeah. Divinger and I are both big fans. Um, You were gracious enough to accommodate our desire to talk about this movie on the podcast this week.
1: Uh, That's not that I I don't like horror films. I like horror films when they're good. Uh, I am just not drawn to them. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. wouldn't rush out and see this in, in theaters if it weren't for the podcast.
0: So, given that you did rush out to see it in time for today's recording, I am really curious what did you think of Talk to Me? I guess you could say what I thought of Talk to Me
1: is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Oh, well, let's hear it
2: a spooky limerick.
1: <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't confident filmmaking, grand. Clear rules that I understand. Invite this film in. It gets under your skin. I suspect you'll want to give it a hand.
0: Nice. Mm, nice. Give it a hand like applause, not yeah, like, I guess, help yeah. it out, right? Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Applause. Applause. Yes. Um,
1: I thought this movie was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, it is such confident filmmaking, as I said. It is... Um, it, it is smart, it is savvy, it's got some great performances, it shows a remarkable amount of restraint and allowing the the viewer to kind of do a lot of the work. Uh, so much of what makes this movie creepy and off-putting and disturbing is not what you see on screen, but what you imagine. And I think that's pretty amazing, pretty powerful, especially for young filmmakers. It's they, a lot they rely on a lot of just performance. Um, there are some you know cool effects too, that happen. but um oftentimes we'll just stay on an actor's face and see their reaction to a thing and let that trigger the the fright, which is a a, a very, I think, bold thing to do, especially when you're working with young actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's some very, very, very good performances in this movie. It's I can't wait to get to spoilers because I think it, it does some really cool things toward the end as well. But ultimately, the hook of this movie is so deftly conveyed. It is really a metaphor for peer pressure and, you know drug use or doing that thing at the party that you know you shouldn't do but everybody's having a good time and we're all doing it so let's just do it and like all great horror movies it's kind of you know using a supernatural element to to say something real about a thing that we have all experienced right and i think this movie is is really finds its niche really smartly in that regard and it's kind of a relatable experience and you find yourself in this place of like oh don't do it don't do it but i know you're going to do it. it 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 raises the tension beautifully it is novel and unique and it's not something i've seen a million times and it goes places that i think are pretty clever i just i thought this movie does so much with uh, with not very much and i i found so many scenes to be so Shots so cool you know there's the, the, the it, it manipulates the camera in really cool ways when when stuff is happening and you know shows things or doesn't show things holds things back focuses on the actors let the actors acting really carry it i just had a blast with this movie i thought it was great i i have no complaints except one i have one big complaint that we'll
0: talk about in spoilers is my guess right no
1: i'm not oh. gonna talk about it in spoilers i'm talking about it right now okay no.
0: oh. and that right. is.
1: I hate the sound design in this movie. I don't know if it graded on you. I don't know if it was my particular theater.
2: I didn't notice anything. Huh.
1: Every, it seems to me, and perhaps this was my theater, but mm-hmm. I don't think so. It seems to me that every sound effect in this movie is amped up, is, is jacked up to make you feel off balance. I understand why the mm. filmmakers would want to do this, to make you feel uncomfortable and off balance and a little insecure, but literally every door slam, every, not even huh. slam, every door closing, uh, a pillow being hit on a person's head playfully, everything sounded like a gunshot in my theater. It was a brace, a cl- a clap, uh, um, uh, any uh, uh, something hitting a table, any sound effect. I felt like in the in the mix was cranked up and jarring and meant to be percussive and off-putting and just uh, you know kind of get under your skin and i feel like it's such a cheap way to achieve that sensation and it was it really bothered me it was constant like everything Maybe you guys didn't experience it, but I, I really, it, I felt like the movie was strong enough; it didn't need to rely hmm. on cheap tricks like that. Yeah, and so I disliked
0: that. Yeah, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, I didn't, enthusiasm. I didn't have that experience as well. Maybe it but was I'm my sorry. theater. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sorry yeah. that you had that experience, Jeff.
2: Was it at a like a particular kind of screen, or was it a normal like? Uh, maybe we shouldn't have...
0: have chose the D box screening, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I went yeah. I, I went
2: to
1: the. Uh... <laughs> shove it up your colon (laughs) theater chain no i i went to i went to a a theater i've seen many movies that weird the the amc right near my house yeah it was in the the digital projection with with good sound it was like Mm -hmm. a nice you know reclining seats was nice 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 theater i've seen a bunch of things in and it it wasn't like the rest of the movie was like that it was literally just the sound effects Hmm. the sound like everything felt juiced everything felt amped like just the like the Somebody walking into the house and closing their door was like, I was like, geez, it's just meant to, it was like nails Hmm. on a
2: chalkboard to me, but everything else about
0: the movie I enjoyed. Devine, Hardwar, hardware, your thoughts on talk to me
2: yeah I, I love this movie. Um, I've heard the buzz about it and then uh, I think the concept is just uh, something kind of fun like a, basically teenagers discovering the ability to uh, to talk to uh, you know the dead. I think that's kind of fascinating. There's a bit of flatliners in here. There's a bit of like other concepts we've seen before and honestly this goes along similar lines of like flatliners. But I thought this was a really great story about um, also about grief. And also about how we connect to each other as well. Like there is a strong emotional core to this movie, which I think is great for any type of film, but especially horror. Um, You know, I I felt for this character. I felt for Mia. I think uh, the actress Sophia wild is uh, phenomenal or Sophie wild. She is phenomenal in this um, portraying somebody who's going through a major loss and find something that can maybe help her reconnect with her mother. And just like the road she goes down, I think is pretty wild. I also love a horror movie that is just like, it exists like from the beginning. It's just dread. It's just, you know, things are bad and there's kind of no escape from it. And these characters are just doing their best to deal with that. This is a movie that doesn't cheap out. We'll talk about the ending and everything. I think it it goes places I think are really interesting. Um, the restraint it shows, like you're talking about, Jeff, I think is really cool. Because one thing we could say uh, outside of spoilers is like we never see what other characters are seeing, um, like when they're holding the hand, when they are supposedly seeing spirits. We never see what other people are seeing outside of uh, outside of Mia. We only see her vision. So there's a lot of cool stuff. And that really locks us into her as a character too. I thought the na- dynamics she has with her friends just felt so natural and realistic. They all just feel like, felt like teenagers. Felt like teenagers or college kids. And it just felt so relatable. Um, You know, there's a sequence where they just like go ham on this thing. And I thought it was... That was just like so wild that they are just like leaning so far into this and it's shot so well. It's definitely confident, like you're saying, Jeff. Um, yeah, I love this movie and I'm so glad that they just like were like, yes, a sequel, please. Because I also think it leaves us in a place where I kind of want to see what else they have to do in this world. Yeah. The
1: other thing I'll say real quick is that it also made me reflect on the fact that, man, it must suck being a teenager these days because mm-hmm. literally every dumb thing you do is recorded forever. Yep. You know, like it's, it's ubiquitous to have, you know, the very, very first scene in this movie is, you know, people just filming the crazy thing that's going on. And I, I know that there's lots of things in my past in my, as a teenager <laughs> that I'm very glad were not recorded because, uh, and I, I like the movie kind of acknowledges like, that's the reality for teenagers right now is that. Whatever you're doing, whatever dumb, stupid, peer pressure moment you have, somebody's going to be recording it.
0: I completely agree with you guys. I love to talk to me. I think this is filmmaking of the highest order. Uh, Every component of this movie comes together in such a great way. The actors, mostly a group of... Certainly uh, actors that are largely unknown in the United States... I think they do a phenomenal job. Really, the only person I recognize from this movie is Miranda Otto. Yeah. uh, But who is fine, but she's playing a very tired mom. I totally understand that. She's like a minor role in the movie. Uh, She does a great job, but uh, it's really about Sophie Wilde and and all the other people in the cast. They all do great. The filmmaking choices are really phenomenal. Uh, I have seen a lot of stuff in my time <laughs> watching horror movies yeah and this is one of the few movies where the sense of dread is so palpable like i uh i did the thing where i'm like not focusing on the screen or i'm covering my <laughs> eyes because i was so scared at various points of what was happening in this movie and that's only because uh, these filmmakers know how to create tension and i was also a big fan of the world building you know uh, slowly mm-hmm. ex- how the rules of this thing are explained to you how it functions um I think a lot of movies struggle to get that balance correct of like, Oh, we're just going to tell you all the rules up front or we're going to give you all the details way at the end, you know, like, and, or there's no
1: rules at all. Unfortunately, sometimes.
0: Right. (laughs) and, And it just doesn't, it doesn't feel quite right. Like the way in which you're getting information and the screenplay, which was written by Danny Philippou and Bill Hinsman, uh, does a great job of I think parceling out the information so you always feel like you're learning something new you always feel like um you're in this process of discovery along with the characters so I I had a great time with this movie it's one of my favorite movies of the year and I think what's so great about this movie is um it's one of those movies where you sit down with no expectations right even if you've seen the trailer or not like uh, just you, I, I don't know who these filmmakers are. Like They're big on YouTube, but I, I was not familiar with their work prior to now. Yeah, um, I'm not familiar with most of these actors. Uh, this is not based on existing IP as far as I'm aware. So it's just like uh, you, you sit down for this experience that's like completely fresh, and it completely knocks you back because of how amazing it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love the movie, yeah.
2: The origins of this, I think, are just really interesting because it was based on a short film uh, by Daley Pearson, who was a producer and writer in Bluey. So just yeah. like the yeah. the the chart to get to this movie is just such a wild ride. Yeah. I yeah. think it's fascinating. Yeah.
0: All right folks, shall we talk about a few spoilers for Talk to Me? Sure. Let's do it. Here we go. Spoilers for Talk to Me starting right now i thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. It compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die, before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth! Inconceivable! I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. There's a, a few filmmaking decisions I want to highlight mm-hmm. uh, in the spoiler section. First of all, uh, opening scene great sequence uh i think it's all done in one long continuous shot if i recall correctly mm-hmm. uh, and that really does help in this case it gives you a feel like hey you're you're trying to follow this character as he's trying to find i think his brother if i recall correctly right yep. uh and you're following him in real time there's like a party going on it's very disorienting uh then he breaks down the door which i thought was a really nice touch because Whenever I... I don't know if you guys do this, but whenever I watch an opening sequence, I'm always thinking to myself, what are the things they have to reset if they mess this up? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: And, and uh, you know, he breaks down the door and it's like, oh, that's... A, if I hope they got that right the first time, because if not, this would have been a huge pain in the butt. Uh, and then, of course, he gets that Like, that whole... He gets stabbed. And that whole sequence, I thought, was just uh, really Masterful. well done. A, a great yeah. intro. A shocking intro. And then... It's I think at least an hour or like forty five minutes until we come back to it to explain what's yeah. going on. Yeah, How it's it such, a great, it yeah. Yeah. such a great, such a great
2: cold open. I hear the directors also have shot like a little bit of stuff around that character too. Mm. So like there there is some prequel stuff that we may see at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So love that, Devindra, You you mm-hmm. described the section where the characters are going ham. That was the moment in the movie. Yeah. It's like this is where brilliant. I was like this is incredible. Where basically yeah. there's a scene where it shows all the uh, the characters. Uh, doing the thing where they connect to the hand in rapid succession, and it's shot like basically like a music video. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and well, I think yeah. the
1: cool thing is that the, the the unexpected, unintuitive thing is that the idea of con- connecting with the dead is euphoric. It's yeah, a, they, they get a charge out of it. It's like doing a drug. It's like they're doing sitting around doing whippets or lines of coke Flatliners. or something. Flatliners. Yeah. 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 It, that it, this notion that it is. You know, the, I love that first moment when Mia does it. We see the absolute horror of what she experiences. We stay on her face and she goes, that was amazing. And it's like, yeah, what? Yeah. That was amazing? That, sound, that mm-hmm. seemed like the worst thing that could happen. You know, she's all she almost stays in longer than 90 seconds. You know, she gets on the brink of, and yet she loves. it. I think she does it.
0: stay in longer than 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. The first time, if I recall. Correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah so, but, the, but the idea that she comes out of that thinking, that was awesome. I can't wait to do that again. Yeah. And then, you and then you know, which feeds into the sequence later that you guys are talking about of everybody wants to get a shot at it. Everybody wants to try it. So we're all sitting around doing shots. We're all sitting around doing something we shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing. We're all having fun. Like I've never seen that kind of thing expressed that exact way in a movie before. It's pretty uh, cool.
0: Yeah, well put, Jeff. Uh, I, I think for me... I got like two ideas from from what you described. One is maybe the the sensation of it is really interesting, but the other is that there mu- maybe there's something liberating mm-hmm. about someone controlling your body, like you not yeah. needing to make decisions about, and someone just like controlling you. Which and is like, kind of what Mia was saying. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the feeling about yeah. is like is and and uh, how how many of us have experienced decision paralysis you know all the time in modern life where we're just like i don't know what to do and mm-hmm. the idea of oh hey it, it, don't, you don't need to decide guess what don't need to decide uh a dead person who died in a horrifying way gets to decide for Is you using your body like <laughs> yeah. a puppet yeah. yeah. using you your body like a puppet? it's like oh fa- thank it's you fantastic. at last i can rest <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you some- know um some people talk about
2: like when they go flying they feel like they, they it's they don't have control right it makes them anxious weirdly i just feel like chill I'm like oh well i'm not in control of this plane i can't do anything about this so we got delays or whatever so okay i yep. guess we're doing that i do like that the cap off to that scene is uh is the younger kid uh it's riley doing it and just getting absolutely messed up that, i think that, that, was that is a such like a shot good.
0: I yeah i couldn't watch that i was well, like well the yeah, part so where he pulls on you. his own eyeball yeah. oh that was oh it's just so, so it
2: really does a good job of like setting up the euphoria and then consequences yeah. really, really well, mm-hmm. so good, yeah,
0: and it's such effective use of special effects too, in the sense yeah. Yeah. of like uh they they don't have the budget for like massive creatures and big blue beam in sky, whatever, but the idea of like a, a creature possessing you and causing you to self harm is so horrifying mm. that you know. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's so cool how
1: the first time, the very first time, she says uh, Mia. We the mm-hmm. first time we see anybody do it, Mia does it. She sits in the chair. She says, "Talk to me." I love that it is instantaneous.
2: Yeah, every mm-hmm. time
1: it's instantaneous, they immediately see it. Yeah, and yeah. we see that like grotesque kind of bloated. you yeah. look like a drowning victim, kind of like yeah. just horrific for just a split second, and then they never need to show us. That yeah. happen again. Like all right. we ever need to see from that point on is the is the next the kid in the reaction. chair saying yeah. yeah, saying talk to me, and then seeing it. And we we do all the work, and it's yeah. so rad. Like a, I think a lesser filmmaker would feel the need to show us the ghoul, the ghost, the, yeah. the demon that they're seeing each time, and yet I love the fact that we just we just rely on the kids changing their mm-hmm. demeanor. You know, it's it was awesome.
2: I also love that it's just a simple cut to. The the monster to the the ghost, basically, to the spirits. Nothing special. It's just cut to it. And even you, as an audience, are like taken aback. Reminds me of the great uh, scary sequence at the beginning of The Ring, too, where we see the girl in the closet. Like it is, it's almost like a movie built around, you know, getting that and kind of coasting with that feeling for a while. So smart. Like I think yeah. somebody the, the, also clearly aware of like horror movies and things that have been done before. There's a lot of sixth sense in here as well in terms of like talking to the spirits, but it still feels fresh. I think that's fascinating.
1: Yeah, and and there's mm-hmm. so many great sort of references to, you know, the way kids behave and doing nasty stuff, like the, tying them to the chair. Clearly, mm-hmm. kind of evokes tying off, if you're going to inject yourself with something, you know, or, um, uh, I love that sequence where, uh, he's f- not breathing and gagging. And the one girl's like, wait, just wait for it. Just like, she's it, every it's you as the audience members, like, this is horrible. Things are going bad. Everybody in the room is like, things are going bad. And the one girl's like, nah, 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 that's the drug experience. You're going to love it. You just got to get through the puking. You know, it's like, it's, it's really well, the- Effective, I think.
0: Yeah. I think there is also this idea that when you're that young, when you're in high school or college, you feel invincible. Like you feel like you can't, nothing can stop. You cannot die. Yeah. And uh, there's a reason I think this movie uh, features characters who are teenagers as opposed to like people in their forties, because right. people would be like, there you would not f with that if you're exactly 40s, right? like, yeah yeah, and you would know enough yeah the kid yeah, and,
1: the kid who's it, like I want to do it to prove that I'm yeah grown up
2: exactly
0: know? yeah it's, um, uh,
2: also wanted to shout out uh, Zoe Tarakis who is like the sort of like ringleader of the whole situation like pushing everybody on how cool this is she is fantastic like uh, they, or they are fantastic and uh, they're going to be in the Ironheart series soon too so like that is. So glad to see you. so glad to see like so much talent here. And this person's already like, you know, ready to do something huge after this. Yeah, There's re- an awesome re- shot
1: yeah. where we we follow Mia after after the horrible, horrible thing happens with the kid. We follow Mia and she's in the foreground like freaking out. And the two of them, the two ringleaders are in the background, soft focus. Can't really see. Yeah. Them, but we overhear them like, OK, what are we yeah. going to do? We got to get our story straight. We got to make sure the cops don't. Uh, it's just such an awesome shot, I thought.
0: Yeah, things get oh, too real. That was yeah. because it's all out of focus and an yes. aber- yeah, amazing, yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but Zoe goes by he, he, they pronouns, but okay, just for for feature reference. But I, I thought Zoe was a a great presence in the film, and yeah, uh, let's talk about the final sequence, which I actually I have to say I was mildly confused by. I'm going to tell you guys. Um, so, first of all, as you guys pointed out. Jeff, uh, you know, you you pointed out the theme of peer pressure and I think that's very present here like you got to try out the thing that everyone's trying. But the theme that resonated with me more was uh, honestly the idea about grief. Yeah. Where, sure. The the idea basically is like Mia cannot let go of what she, what she thinks is her mom, the idea of her mom that she's seen on the other side, right? And right. and that inability to let go drives Mia do terrible things, right, and to make bad decisions. I think is ultimately where the film lands on that idea. Mm-hmm. And Mia uh, is trying to take Riley in a wheelchair to the highway because she has convinced herself that Riley is trapped in the netherworld. Well, well the spirits have convinced the, the spirits her, yeah. have gone for it, But yeah. yeah, go ahead.
1: Just real quick before that, the the gobsmacking moment to me that I thought just made the movie transcend into a whole other place of genius was the moment where she sees the little girl and those girls like, well, I could take you there. And she goes, Mm -hmm. okay. And the little girl says, I, I, I let you in. So you immediately Mm -hmm. as the audience member go, Oh, 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 it's a two way street. You can go into them, Mm -hmm. which was Mm -hmm. like blow my mind. And I'm really hoping the sequel kind of, because now we, I mean, we're in spoilers now. We mm-hmm. now we know Mia is dead. The sequel can literally be her taking over living people, mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 vice versa. Like it, I loved, I loved that moment where all of a sudden she's brought in. Uh, so that's what you know. How it's revealed that he's mm-hmm. in this like. But I feel torture. like any
2: a lesser movie in many other horror movies, like she would survive. Like she would do the right. thing to save the kid, and uh, you know, yeah. your uncle at the end. Whereas so, no, like she she's dead. Um, did she kill her father? I forget if like we see. Yeah, she did. She. I think I think she at the end. Yeah, so everything we saw at the end is her like in the afterlife, basically. Yeah. At the so the moment see a bunch she of steps
1: yeah. oh, out okay. into traffic, I think the rest yeah. of the movie is the afterlife
2: yeah
0: right her or at least her i mean she also is looking at things that happen on earth during that time yeah right? yeah she sees well, she sees the family like her like her as a wandering love, spirit yeah, yeah. To, she's yeah. a wandering spirit at that point yeah and she does see her father so like okay i think okay. that's your interpretation like her your interpretation is her father survives yeah when she stabbed him i was like oh this movie is just like going well, she like stabs him yeah. in the throat my yeah. interpretation was that he was dead but that's dead well but dead, fo-
1: we see um jade find him we see jade find him alive yeah. mm-hmm.
2: Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right? true. She, yeah. She, she, I would Jade
1: assume in lost in a lot of blood there, blood by then. And he's, yeah. he's holding yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like if the movie wanted to make sure we knew he was dead, she mm-hmm. would have found him dead.
0: That's mm-hmm. fair. That's fair. And then, so then, presumably, then our interpretation of the end is that when she sees her father in the hospital, that's like her, her actual father on the real world, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't see her because she's a ghost. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, she, uh, Mia is walking Riley to the highway, uh and it's a great tense sequence because you're like one of my bummers around these kind of horror films is the idea that like when the person like Miranda Otto what she does in that situation is like if there was no supernatural things going on Miranda Otto's actions are very reasonable yes, yes where, absolutely whereas she's like oh yeah i i overreacted you know yeah. You're actually trying to just find your own family within us and that's fine you know but in fact Mia is the danger she is the danger and so uh she walks Riley down to the highway and uh they try to convince her to push Riley into the highway then we kind of cut to this amazing shot from like a bystander car that like needs to swerve out of the way and then crashes and that's just amazing th- yeah I mm-hmm. think the interpretation is that Mia throws herself into the road in place of Riley. Right? Yeah, that's kind of what yes. what happened. But uh, she makes the right decision. Yeah, yeah she makes the way. correct decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, for for a moment, I thought that uh, what's her name, uh, Jade. Yeah, might have pushed her. And, mm. Jade is like running behind her. Right. Um, but anyway, and then you see Jade with Riley uh, in the wheelchair. Oh, the one thing I wanted to mention was, I like how the whole what's going on with Riley is addressed in a single offhanded line by the other kid. Right. He, or the other guy, he says, uh, Oh, by now, like he should have left, the spirit should have left your brother or yeah. it can take longer for the weaker, yeah, they get weaker. Yeah. They the get weaker, longer. They're right?
1: in the weaker they get.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. And so you're, so you know that Mia is operating under bad information at that. Well, time, it's awesome right? too.
1: Cause Jade says, Oh, he's, he's kind of woken up and he's acting like himself. Right,
0: right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. So you're like, the, oh yeah.
1: no, don't do it. But yeah, I, my my take is that she was never interacting with her mom. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. It, I was, was yeah. going to ask, like, do yeah. we think that she was actually interacting? Cause with her Because it was mom, always right? feeding yeah. her
2: misinformation. Basically, yeah. I there was yeah. a
1: malignant force that yeah. knew how to manipulate her, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and so was 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 doing that. The only get...
0: thing that made me. That was my interpretation too, Jeff. Yeah. The only thing that made me question that was at the very end, we see uh, Mia becomes the hand. And so we do sense that, like, there is a one to one connection sometimes between the people that are on the other side of the hand, right? right. And the people that connect to them. Um, but I, think I do you're I did think right that because, it was yeah. sorry
1: go yeah. ahead Go mm-hmm. no, I
0: ahead. I think you're probably right because mm-hmm. she was giving her fake you know Mia's mom was giving her fake news so it's like and I yeah. think they said you something know, about the spirits like knowing <laughs> yeah fake news uh, the spirits know what's in your mind
2: too like they know your memory yeah that's well, so there they know was a lot you. of discussion yeah.
1: of that in the movie yeah. of like well, when they're inside you, do they know? And like every time something would go inside them, it'd be like, he likes you. He doesn't like you. <laughs> it's like they, right. they were reading the thoughts of their vessel, you know? Right, right. So I feel like, and because we kept seeing dead people that weren't relations, you know, I felt like there was other dead things that were mad and were using the knowledge that they had of her to manipulate her. Mm-hmm. That, that was my understanding.
0: Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, But I got to say, guys, the one thing I one of the other things I really like about this movie is just kind of creating this mythos. I talked about the world building, but creating this mythos of like there is this dead world and like kind of how that works, how that feels, how that looks. So good. Um, Honestly, it reminded me of movies I saw when I was a kid that dealt with this kind of thing, like Ghost. The Patrick Swayze movie Ghost. That's a good right? movie, right? Yeah. And it's like, and there's this whole other nether world and how that works. And like, I was obsessed with those movies when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. this brought me back to that. It yeah. brought me what back. What dreams to like, may come? Yeah. What dream Like, what is what is <laughs> yeah. that world like? And how yeah. does it all work? And the the final sequence of this movie when she goes and she takes the hand and then you see this whole group of people from the and you see it from the other side is amazing. Right? Baller Beautiful. ending. Just baller a ending. baller ending.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. I also loved the um. The, uh, um, uh, oh God, my brain's just not working today, guys. I'm sorry. I thought I would come. Kind of, no I'll, I'll get it in a second.
0: No worries, no worries. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, for the the final shot where she's talking with those guys at the end, I was like, "Is that Timothy Chalamet?" I don't know if you guys had that reaction, <laughs> no, no, no. But one of the guys no, that would kinda, have been the pretty one of the guys <laughs> looked a little bit like Wonka to me. Yeah, anyway, a little bit like um, Wonka,
2: but they're speaking was it Greece
0: or Greece? Yeah, yeah. So, Italian, so Greek, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: It's it's definitely somewhere else. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating how did that happen uh, yeah. I'm glad they have a sequel to kind of explore this idea further and I hope we see the further adventures of Mia the Spirit Yeah, it's just yeah. such an
0: amazing ending because it also makes everything else in the movie kind of lock into place like yep. oh why did we see a bloated drowning dead woman it's like oh we saw someone at the like middle of their ghost life cycle mm-hmm. you right. know? and Mia is just like at the beginning of her ghost life cycle and that's why she looks all bruised and battered up and stuff mm-hmm. um, but yeah just an incredible incredible ending so uh any other th- I, I, I i'll just say also shout out to to joe bird as riley like all the riley mm-hmm. stuff i thought was the creepiest so good cool. him hitting his head on the back hitting of the- yeah. his head against the wall is just like, really upsetting Horrifying. yeah yeah so uh just r- really great way of, of creating horror at every turn
2: i uh, yeah I, d- I do think they really bash that character like a <laughs> lot because I, I do feel like man even that first sequence, I don't know if you're recovering from that concussion. Like, I don't know. But, yeah. It's yeah. really brutal. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, All man, right. I can't remember what I was going to say.
0: Yeah. Ah! Ah.
1: There's something about this, this, what I was looking forward to in the sequel, but I can't remember what it is.
0: Gotcha. Well, yeah, there, there has been a sequel, and I'm curious, like, if we want to see any, you know, actors come back from this. Um, you, you know, you guys had brought up the idea that maybe we'll see Mia communicating from the other side. I personally, you know, I think mm-hmm. Mia was incredible in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally think it would be very strong to just have a whole different set of characters have a whole different other adventure. Those Greek dudes, um, those Greek dudes,
2: like or it's, it's it could be anywhere. It's sort yeah. of like on
1: an it follows vibe too. Like what's the next, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the next cycle of the people dealing with this thing.
2: Mm-hmm. But I, def- I, you gotta, you gotta come back to it. It's like the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. Like, you, I, I you think come it would be like a whole new one. adventure,
0: yeah. and then like one of the character, like in this movie, you have mm-hmm. the brother character explain what happens, mm-hmm. and then in the next movie, one of the characters from this movie will explain how yeah. the hand works in yeah. talk to yeah. me. I think right. So talk I think that me. works. Perfect yeah. title.
2: I think a twenty four also showed an image, and it's just like the the hand curled to a two. Yeah. The, this perfect perfect for a horror franchise already
0: yeah all right folks uh well it's a great movie people should go check it out it's doing pretty well at the box office it had a budget of four and a half million dollars wild what they were able to able to accomplish is really tremendous it'll be Um, on vod soon so yeah yeah, but but for sure go see i i say go no don't wait for the vod go see in the theater if you feel comfortable doing so Mm -hmm. uh it's a great horror film. It's great to be experiencing with a crowd. Definitely, um, yeah. My crowd was very responsive to this movie, and that was fun, too. So, at the end of the day, it's really impressive that the Philippos made a movie. All right, folks. That's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of The Filmcast. You can find more episodes at thefilmcast.com. Email us at at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of the movie. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McCune from The Midnight. Our spoiler bumper comes from uh noah ross he will also did our weekly plugs music video assistance provided by kurt mega and john barry this episode was edited by me david chen next week it's gonna be blue beetle guys finally beetle
1: the new the uh
0: the hierarchy of the
1: dcu is about to change
0: it's about to change or it's about to stay the same which is to say going out with a whimper uh, potentially. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if it's any good there. They are still giving it a theatrical release. So maybe it's going to surprise us. But uh, yeah, Blue Beetle, our main review next week, right here on the Filmcast. We hope you'll tune in. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can support the, uh, to do that. Uh, and thanks so much to everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.